0: Bless His Word to our hearts. Now, I wonder if we could turn over in our Bibles to the uh, Gospel of John, chapter three, and if you get chapter three, put put your finger then in uh, chapter uh, fourteen. Uh, Chapter 3. And we're going to read from uh, verse 4 of the chapter. John chapter 3 and verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Amen. We know that God will bless that word to our hearts. And then turn over with me uh, to John chapter 14, and beginning reading at verse 15. John 14 and verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Amen. And we pray that God will bless that word to our hearts. And then turn over to chapter 16. And verse thirteen, where we read these words: Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you a little while and ye shall not see me again. A little while and ye shall see me because I go to the Father. Just going up there, we've missed the little point. Look at verse 8, please. Uh, Let's read from verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye shall see me no more, of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. Amen. And we know that God will bless again his precious word to our hearts. Let's just uh, unite together, please, again in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts afresh. And we'd ask thee that as we come this morning, that even as we think about God's application of salvation, the work of the Holy Spirit in the redemption of the soul, we pray, Lord, that each one might know the reality of that Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Draw near to us and bless us abundantly, for it's in Jesus' precious name. Now we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now we started to look at the Holy Spirit last week, and we thought about defining the Holy Spirit. We thought about His attributes. Uh, We talked about his personality and his deity. And we were reminded of the wonderful thing that it is that a divine person should come and dwell in our hearts when we are saved. Now, today what we want to think about is the working of the Holy Spirit and his application of the work of redemption. We're going to think about how it is that the Holy Spirit works in saving us. We read in the passage there in John chapter 16 how the Lord was preparing his disciples for his leave-taking of them, for his ascension when he would uh, rise up to heaven and he would leave them. And we read that he uh, prepares the disciples by saying unto them, But I now go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whether goest thou But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. So the wonderful thing is that when the Lord Jesus went to glory, that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And you'll notice the first thing that he says that the Holy Spirit will do. He will reprove the world of sin and righteousness And judgment. Now, we often think about the power of the Holy Spirit, and oftentimes they're preaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if there is a a series on the Holy Spirit, this uh, aspect of what the Holy Spirit does may be mentioned, but it'll certainly not be something that is often dwelt upon in any depth whatsoever. And yet I want you to remember that the Holy Spirit is instrumental in salvation. You think of how it is that the Father initiates salvation. He's the one that plans salvation. We think of how the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished salvation in that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood. But it is the Holy Spirit who applies salvation to us. If it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit... The work that our Savior has done on the cross would not be of any benefit to us because we'd have no access to it. The Holy Spirit has to come and apply the work of redemption to us. He has to come and he has to dwell in our hearts and he has to do that work of salvation within our souls. And we think of how the Spirit applies to the church what Christ has accomplished for the church. The salvation is purposed by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Holy Spirit, and that's important. And you can see here when the Lord Jesus was talking to his disciples that the very first thing that he speaks, not about the power of the Holy Spirit or about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but about how the Holy Spirit works to reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment in the work of applying salvation to the hearts of men and women. And if it's the first thing that the Lord Jesus dwells upon, then surely it is something that should interest us. And as we think about our own salvation, surely it is of interest to you if you're saved today, as to how God has accomplished that salvation. And we are going to think about that for a few minutes today. We're thinking about the working of the Holy Spirit in applying the work of redemption to us. And there are just some things that I want you to see that the Holy Spirit does in applying salvation to you. And first of all, I want you to see that he conveys the message All salvation. What did the Lord Jesus say there to his disciples in John 16? He says, when the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And I want you to see that in the text, God applies salvation, first of all, by making salvation known. It says that he'll reprove the world, and the word reprove there can also mean uh, convince. So the Holy Spirit is the one who, first of all, convinces us of salvation. What does he do? He comes uh, to make known salvation to us, first of all. In John 16 and verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. So he guides us, first of all. Into the truth of God. He guides us into the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit who inspires the scriptures, first of all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He inspires this word that we are given, that we hold in our hand. But then he takes the word and he leads us into all truth. He enables us to see what salvation is. You know, the Bible speaks about how the God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine in unto them. And we recognize that men and women are blind. They're both unable and unwilling to believe. They're unwilling and unable to see. And so, God must send his Holy Spirit, first of all, to enlighten their hearts and to show them what they are in the sight of a holy God. Not only does God, the Holy Spirit, make known the way of salvation, but he makes known our sin. He exposes our sin. He makes us aware of the heinousness of our sin because we don't know that in and of ourselves. You look at the world out there. And the world in which we live is a world in which men think great things of themselves. They're lifted up in pride. And one of the things that blinds the hearts of men is not only the devil, the prince of this world, but our own pride blinds us. We don't want to be told that we're sinners. We don't want to be told that we are uh, absolutely repulsive in the sight of a holy God. And yes, that's what we are. We live in a wonderful, beautiful world, and we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the world. Some of our family were in America, in Tennessee, and some of the Americans were talking to them, and they said, whatever brought you to Tennessee coming from Northern Ireland? They they said, we have been in Northern Ireland, we've been in Ireland, we've been in Wales, and it's one of the most beautiful parts of the world. And if it only just didn't rain, we would enjoy it, I'm sure. But, you know, we think of the wonderful beauty that's all around us. And you think of how we live in a place that is economically one of the richest nations in the world. And yet we think of this United Kingdom today, and it's in decline. And the social and economic trends and the crime statistics. The economic trends are going down. The crime statistics are going up. And people uh, live life in a day where there is drug-taking and debt and profligacy and indecency and perversion. And what is the reason for all of those things? Sin. Sin is the reason. It's the pe- reason people are hurting and lonely and miserable inside. It's sin that has done all of these things. And yet people are blind to sin. People are uh, often don't see or recognize the sin that's in their hearts. The very thing that is benighting their souls. And they don't see it. And it takes the Holy Spirit of God to lead them into truth. We think of how on television 24 hours a day we're fed this diet of sin and all of the rest of it. And people want to uh, b- block out. my We're on our phones. We're being entertained day by day. And my how we want to block out the very thought of the emptiness of our souls. And people are blocking out that because they don't want to know the emptiness of their soul. When the phones and the entertainment is taken away, people recognize how empty they are. And we don't see it. But it's the job of the Holy Spirit to show us our sins. And not only to show us our sins but to show us how big our sins are and recognize the holiness of uh, the mighty God of heaven. Oh, how we need to see how these things are. There are those in the pulpit today, and we think of Joel Osteen, who has said that he doesn't want to preach about sin. And the reason why he says he doesn't want to preach about sin is because everybody knows they're a sinner. Well, no, they don't. They don't. They cover it over. They want to deny it. But how we need the, the Holy Spirit to come today and convince men of sin. So the Holy Spirit leads us into the truth of salvation. He leads us into the truth of sin. And then he leads us into the truth about the Savior. Because not only does he speak and reprove the world of sin, but of righteousness. There is a righteousness. There is a standard of righteousness that we need to come up to. And it's God's standard. It's God's standard. And we think of how the Lord Jesus Christ himself is our righteousness. We think of how he has made unto his wisdom and righteousness and salvation. He is the one who came and lived a righteous life. It is his righteousness that is given or imputed to those that believe in his name. And it's only that righteousness that can make us fit for heaven. But we come to the one who is our righteousness Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress, mid flaming worlds and these are red. With joy shall I lift up my head. But we need the righteousness of Christ today. And it's only the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ and shows us our Savior. And we think of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who conveys the message of salvation. But then not only does the Holy Spirit convey the message of salvation, but he convicts men of sin. That's what he does here. We are told that he reproves the world of sin and righteousness and salvation. Now the word can also mean convince, as we've said, but it also means convict, convict the world. And not only do we need to know, not only does the Holy Spirit need to expose our sin and show us salvation and show the righteousness which is in Christ, but he then needs to convict us. He needs to make us guilty. It's one thing knowing that we are sinners, but then we need to have the conviction of God. And I want you to think about the mind of Holy Spirit conviction. You think of the disciples. On the day of Pentecost. And the Lord Jesus had gone by that time. He descended into heaven. And Peter and the other apostles were going out. In the boldness and in the power of the Holy Spirit. To preach the gospel. And we read that when they preached the gospel. At the end. The Jews that were there. Many of them had been in Jerusalem. At the time when the Lord Jesus was crucified maybe there were those in that crowd who had even cried out crucify him and they didn't care anything about it they hadn't thought about it in the meantime but when god by the holy spirit began began to work in their hearts we read by the end of the message that peter preached they cried out men and brethren what shall we do and there was something that had happened in their hearts They had been convicted of the fact that they would crucified the Lord of glory. And maybe tonight there is crying in your heart. And there is something in your heart. There's a guilt. We don't want to be declared guilty. But the Holy Spirit of God comes and convinces us of our guilt. And reproves us of our guilt. The American evangelist R.A. Torrey once told the story that illustrates the power and the might of the Holy Spirit's conviction. He was preaching in Chicago Avenue Church, and he saw, sitting on the left hand, on the front seat, he saw uh, the uh, 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 one of uh, his deacons, uh, Deacon uh, Young was his name, and he had a man with him. And R.A. Torrey's uh, attention was brought to this man because this man sat with his eyes fixed upon him. And every time uh, Torrey would glance, he would see the man and his eyes were fixed upon him. And at the end of the meeting, there was uh, an inquiry room and Ari Torrey was dealing with others in the inquiry room. It was a long time that he was there, but at the end, Deacon Young came and he says, I want you to come and speak to this man that I've been dealing with. And uh, Ari went in and here was the man who had his eyes fixed upon him during the whole meeting. And he says to him, why have you come? He says, I don't know what's wrong with me. He says, my mother is, uh, we live in Omaha. He says, my mother runs a gambling establishment. We are Roman Catholics. He said, I was going through the city. I was going to meet with some friends. And he says, there were young men there and they were holding an open air meeting. And he says there was young, one young man stood forward to preach. He says I knew him, I recognised him, and so I stopped a minute to listen. And he says uh, he says I listened to what he had to say. He said he'd been he'd been leading a wild life, and he said that God had changed and transformed his life. And he says I I listened for a while. And then I went on, I was intending to go to Cottage Grove Avenue to meet the men that I was going to spend the afternoon with. He says, I went two blocks and I saw the advertisement for the meeting here and something told me that I had to go. And he said, I came here tonight and he says, and he groaned, he says, I don't know what's the matter with, I feel awful. I've never felt this way in my life. And Torrey said, I'll tell you what's the matter with you. He says, you're under a conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Will you take Christ as your Savior? And the huge man got down on his knees on on the floor and commenced to cry to God for mercy and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in sobs and in crying, he called upon God for salvation. Maybe you felt something similar. You've heard the gospel sometimes, maybe somebody else speaking, uh, or maybe you've got a tract or somebody has spoken to you. And you've felt in your heart that guilt and there's something wrong with your heart. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit of God dealing with you. Oh, dear friend, you say, well, how could God do something that nasty to me? I'm troubled to the very depths of my soul. I feel it in my bones. But dear friend, don't let Unless the Lord stops you in your tracks, you'll go on the way that you're going. God has stopped you and he's made you feel miserable like that because in order to get you to the place where you'll recognize your sin and call upon him for salvation. Oh, how does God do it? He does it by his word. It's not by newfangled ideas. It's by the word of God. The Word of God is a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Maybe at times you have felt yourself hard. And you know the longer you go on, the harder you'll become. It's like the frost that builds up and becomes harder and harder. And the more you hear the Word of God and the more you resist the Holy Spirit of God, the harder you'll become. He that, being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be cut off, and that without remedy. And if the Holy Spirit has been talking to you, convicting you of your sin, then you need to respond and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the Holy Spirit is bringing you to himself. We see the might of the Holy Spirit's conviction. But then I want you to think about the means of the Holy Spirit's conviction. It is by the word of God. He enlightens your heart. He comes by the word of God. He speaks through his word to your heart. Sometimes, maybe through circumstances, he brings the word of God to your heart. Maybe by the birth of a child, God speaks. Maybe by illness, God speaks. Maybe uh, you have sent the child to Sunday school because you have been convicted of your sin. Sometimes God uses circumstances to apply His word to your heart. Maybe I'm speaking to someone, and God has been using circumstances to bring you to Himself. But not only have we the means of conviction, but the method of conviction. What does the Holy Spirit do? He brings before you the biggest sin in your heart. That's what He did with the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 4. He said, Woman, go call thy husband. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that thou saidst truly. He brought before her the biggest sin of her heart. What did he do to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? He says... He says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. You've been persecuting me. And how often God brings before our hearts the biggest sin that we've committed. Is God bringing that sin before you right now? He convicts men of their sin. But then, thirdly, I want you to see that the work of the Holy Spirit in Applying the work of redemption involves the fact that he calls men to the Savior. He not only convicts them of their sin, and that's bad, but there's another side to it. He calls men to the Savior. In Romans chapter 8, if you turn over to Romans chapter 8, and if you look at verses 29 to 30, we read about the call of the Holy Spirit. And there are two calls that are made to men and women. There's the general call of the gospel, the outward call, and that's what I'm doing here. I'm uh, bringing the gospel to you. I'm telling you you need to be saved. And there is that. But then there is the saving call of the gospel. There's the special call of the gospel. Look at um, Romans chapter, 8, verses 29 uh, and 30. For whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. So this call, those who are called this way are justified, and then they are glorified. Now we know that when the gospel is preached, not all people are justified or glorified. Not all people are saved. The Lord said in Matthew 22 and verse 14, Many are called, but few are chosen. So there's a call that comes to men and women that they can resist. But there's also a call that comes to men and women that they do not res- resist. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 verses 23 and 24, But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So there are those who hear the gospel, and to them it's a stumbling block, it's foolishness. But then there are others that hear the call, and it says they are called, and it says, But unto them which are called, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. When they hear this call, this call comes and the gospel becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He calls men irresistibly. He calls men to himself. And we read in John 6 and verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Oh, dear friend, we think of that call that we heard that call in our hearts that call that was by the holy spirit speaking in our hearts and in our lives and brought us to himself and we are the called of jesus christ we think of how the christians are often spoken of in the epistles as those that are called oh dear friend have you heard his call have you heard his call he calls men to salvation But then he also changes men's standing. He saves men. He brings the new birth. We read in John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Are you born of the spirit? We read in Titus 3, verses 5 to 6, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We're born again of the Spirit of God. We're born again of the power of God. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in the hearts of, of those that are saved and transforms them, it's like we saw in the little illustration there. We our, our directions changed, our desires are changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things. Or become new. We start with our eyes closed. As we saw. Our eyes were blind to the things of God. But now our eyes are open. And we see things that we've never seen before. Something lives in every hue. Christless eyes have never seen. The whole of creation is different. The whole of the universe is uh, uh, is, is something new in our hearts. Because we're born again. Of the Spirit of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Oh dear friend, are you born again? Has the Holy Spirit come to dwell in your heart? Have you the divine Spirit, the divine God of heaven dwelling within you? The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Father. My, what a wonderful thing it is that the Holy Spirit comes and not only calls us him to himself, but comes to dwell in our hearts and in our lives. And so the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit who applies salvation to us. He comes to reveal the word. He becomes to convey the message. He comes to convict us of sin. He comes to call us to salvation. He comes uh, to change our state, and he comes to renew us and to bless us abundantly. Abram Kuiper, the Dutch statesman and theologian, described the work of the Holy Spirit. He said that he leaves no footprints. We think of the Father sending his Son, and that's evident. And we think of the work of the Son there on the cross, and that's evident. The work of the Holy Spirit, as it were, is something that's just done in the heart. It's not evident. It's not out there. But it's absolutely vital. We need the Holy Spirit to apply salvation to us. And that's why, men and women, as we come to our mission We need to pray that God will work with his Holy Spirit. My call, the call of the evangelist, will signify nothing, will do nothing unless the Holy Spirit of God comes and applies that word to the hearts of sinners. We can go out and we can give out tracts and we can give out invitations and we can do all we can and we can labor, but without the Holy Spirit, without the work of God uh, anointing those messages in tracts or in invitations or in the preaching of the Word, unless God takes that Word and applies it to the hearts of men and women, it will be of none effect. None effect. That's why we need to pray. That's why I'm inviting you to prayer meetings because we can't do this in our own strength. That's why we need to pray for our uh, children's work, for our youth fellowship. That's why we need to pray for all of the meetings that take place, the Sunday school, the Bible class. We need to pray for them all, because without the Holy Spirit taking the Word and enlightening the heart and applying it to souls, it'll be of none effect. We need God to come. You have not, the Bible says, Because ye ask not. We need God to step in. Oh, may he by his Holy Spirit come in mighty power in this day and generation. And may we see God's power demonstrated in the salvation of precious souls. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, We do thank thee for the work of the Holy Spirit in applying salvation and redemption to our souls. We do thank thee for the one who comes to dwell within our hearts. And we do thank thee for the transformation, the new birth that is affected within our souls and in our lives. And we pray that thou wouldst continue to work in this day and bless thy word to every soul and be with us now in this day for Jesus' sake. Amen. The hymn 175, eternal spirit we confess and sing the wonders of thy grace. Thy power conveys our blessings down from God the Father and the Son. Now, this is another hymn that we haven't sung, but I think it's to a familiar tune, and we will stand and we'll sing this hymn. Hymn 175, please. gracious father we thank thee for the work of the holy spirit that calms the surges of our minds and is able to make uh, us content in our savior the lord jesus christ bless us now take us to homes and safety watch over us throughout this day for it's in jesus precious name we would ask these things amen